I get excited to share the word. I was just saying to Roddy last night, um, I'm heading to Missoula on Wednesday to do a ladies' retreat, this Montana, and Fred and Denise are coming with us, but I'm preparing three messages for that, preparing today's message and then two messages for the gifts and fruits of the Spirit. So I woke up this morning like, which one? So that's why to just make sure. So today I'm going to be speaking on my steps are ordered. And if you can just get this in your heart, it'll change your life. My steps are ordered. And I did this example this morning. So here's the issues of life. Uh, August for Rod and I, I'm very glad it's September and a new season. We're in fall, autumn as we call it in South Africa. So here we had all these things happen. Rod with the strokes, our son with his foot. My mom passed two weeks ago. So we can, if you put your hands down here, look at your hands. What do you see? Hands. Okay, look up. What do you see? No hands. So when we are constantly looking up at him, the things of this earth grow strangely dim and fade away. Keep your eyes fixed on him. And that's, so many people have said, Val, how are you doing? How are you coping? I don't know how people manage without Jesus because this is my focus. And God was so good last week. He gave us an opportunity to get out of the situation. And we were blessed with a seven-day cruise. But guess what? He put us straight back in the same situation. I was just stronger and in a better position to handle it. So I'm going to give you a quote from Corrie ten Boom. And she once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. Why? Because both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut off your connection of God to other people and even to your own soul. So the question is, how many of you wish you had more hours in the day? How many of you wish you weren't so busy? Guess who can change that? Only you. We want to blame everybody else and everything. Our time is our life and our attention is the doorway to our hearts. What you are putting your attention on is what's going to come and fill your heart. So what are you putting your attention on? Are you allowing him to order your steps? God is present, but because our attention is taken up on other things, we're so unaware of him. We're so busy that we miss he's standing right here next to us. So I'm going to ask you this. I wanted to say, is God first in your priorities? But then that leaves me out of the picture. So I was going to say, is God first in my priorities? But I don't want to be in this on my own. So is God first in our priorities? It's always better to be in trouble with someone else, isn't it, than on your own. You just kind of have a bit more. Um, or I, I said, like I said last, if you get lost, if you're lost with someone, it can be fun. If you're lost on your own, it's awful. You panic. So are we in order? Is God the first priority in our life, in our finances, in our relationships, in our speech? What's your speech like when you're under pressure? Do you know that the flavor of a tea bag only comes out in hot water? What flavor? What is it? People go, this person brings out the worst in me. I go, well, why is it in there in the first place? So 
When you believe God for his best, but you only give God the rest, you're out of order. You cannot expect him to give you the best, but you're giving him the leftover, you're out of order. When Ron and I have a disagreement, which is very seldom, and I'm usually right. No, No, I don't mind saying I'm wrong. When we have a disagreement, it's not because I don't love him. It's not because something's bad. It's because something is out of order. And you can be guaranteed, it's either you're buying a boat when you shouldn't. And I told Rod, please don't ever buy a boat. It's cheaper to borrow someone else. They say, don't own a boat, don't own an RV, just have a friend who has one. They pay the insurance. Isn't that true? They'll tell you that in financial peace. So we have so much tension in our nation today. And do you know why? It's because we're out of order. We're out of order. Before we even listen to one another, we want to give them a lesson. But you can't give the lesson unless you're willing to listen. How many of you, when people are talking to you, you're already thinking in your head what you're going to say back? You're not even thinking about, you're not even listening. Or sometimes I'll talk to Rodney and goes, uh, are you listening? You can hear, but not listen. So we need to start listening, guys. So what if someone's opinion is different? So what if their political stand is different? Is that going to change the world? Who changes the world? Us. Knowledge speaks, but wisdom listens. So you all have one mouth and how many ears? Two to use in that proportion. We need to listen to one another. You don't have to agree. Amen? The book of Haggai communicates this very same thing and it puts everything, it puts first things first. So I'm going to give you a background. Here, the very temple of God, which was the place where they worshipped, it was the heartbeat of God, was in ruins. Absolutely ruined, neglected, had weeds growing in it. Nobody was paying it attention. Then on this side, everybody was so busy getting on with their lives that God had to speak to Haggai and Haggai had to in turn speak to the people. And this is what he said. And I think this is a message for all of us today because I see the world in this situation. Haggai chapter one, verses two to eight. I think it's the second shortest book in the Old Testament. A message from God Almighty. This is what God Almighty is speaking through Haggai. He says, the people procrastinate. How many of you are procrastinators? They say this isn't the right time to rebuild. How many of you go, this is not the right time? Well, when is the right time? My temple, the temple of God, shortly after that, God said to Haggai and spoke it. So he's saying, I'm telling you that you need to fix my temple. They're going, no, it's not the right time. So after that, God speaks to Haggai again and he says, how is that that it's the right time for you to live in your fine new homes while the home, God's temple, is in ruins? And then a little later, the God of the angel army spoke out again. Take a good, hard look at your life. Consider your ways. Think it over. He says that twice in the scripture. So then let's go on. He says, you've spent a lot of money, but you haven't much to show for it. You know people like that? 
As fast as they earn it is as fast as it goes. You keep filling your plates, but you never get filled up. You keep drinking and drinking and drinking, but you're always thirsty. You put on layer after layer of clothes, but you don't get warm. And the people who work for you, what are they getting out of it? Not much. It's a leaky, rusted out bucket. That's what it is. Again, he says this twice. That's why God Almighty said, take a good, hard look at your life. Consider your ways. Think it over. Then God said, here's what I want you to do. Rebuild the temple. Do it just for me. Honor me. And I feel like God is speaking to a very, very busy world, not nation. Americans are probably up top. We are so busy rebuilding our homes, our boats, our businesses, our RVs, our social network, our, I have to watch the series. But what's happening over here is we are neglecting neglecting the very house of God. And this is where our sustenance, our worship, our life comes from. So you want to ask me, why are our lives in such a mess? Because you are not parasiting off the Lord. A parasite is something that attaches itself to something and sucks the very life and the blood out of it. I am His blood flows through my very veins. I am parasiting off him and the word of God. Amen. What are you parasiting after? Fame, fortune, things, possessions. It's just me, not you. We find practical steps in what the book of Haggai says. Number one, stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Take responsibility. Billy Sunday defined an excuse as the skin of reason stuffed with a lie. Benjamin Franklin wrote, I never knew a man who was good at making excuses who was good at anything else. You've got to stop making excuses. Take responsibility. And you know what? Be stronger than your excuses. Just own it. Do you know that if you don't put fuel in the fire, if you don't keep adding logs, guess what happens? It burns out. Let your excuses burn out. Take responsibility. Stand before him. Get your life in order and watch what happens. The third one. No, what's that? Yeah. Second one. Stop being selfish. Haggai 134. Self is a cruel God. It is never satisfied. Never. You'll buy something. You'll buy that boat. Oh, you love it. Five years later, someone else buys one better than you. Guess what? You don't like that boat anymore. It's a cruel God. And let me tell you, self-pity, the devil is your babysitter if you're in self-pity. Who's babysitting you? That's just for free. Selfishness creeps in when we consistently do not seek God first. Number three. Don't miss God's blessings. Haggai 5, 1 verses 5 to 6. The people experienced hardship in their lives because they neglected to stand where the sustenance was coming from. Here is where the fountain of living water is coming from. But we stand over here and say, God, bless me here. 
God says, no, no, no. You come to what is already blessed and I will work through your life. Get in order with God. Amen. Number four, take time to evaluate. I'm going to encourage you, go home today, sit down, look at your life and evaluate your life. If you don't, what do they say that a a grave is? It's a rut with both ends kicked out. Or that's what a rut is, a grave with both ends kicked out. You just do the same old, same old and expect a different result. It's not going to happen. You get down, you evaluate, evaluate your life and you make the difference. And then watch God. Twice Haggai said, consider your ways. He wanted us to measure the consequences of our, act, of our activities and your actions. There are always consequences to your actions, positive or negative. Socrates wrote, the unexamined life is not worth living. And I agree. And I love this thing. It says, we live in a world that is in a hurry and hurry robs. We get more done, but we get less time with God. Hurry is violence to the soul. It's violence to my soul. We've got to connect. You know that if a pilot just decided, oh, I know this route and I'm not going to pay attention to the order or anything. Let's just do this first and let's do that first. What's going to happen? There's an order. If you knew the pilot was out of order and was going to just take off according to whatever he felt like today, would you take that plane? Yet we take that plane every day in our lives because we're out of order and we wonder why we crash. The failure to take the proper precautions today will result in severe consequences tomorrow. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40, Paul says, let all things be done decently and in order. Today, we have a society, unfortunately, that doesn't like order, doesn't like structure. Everything is what feels good to me or what I believe, or it's just so airy-fairy. No wonder this place is in such a mess. God has given us boundary lines for a reason. Stick to the boundary lines and you have more freedom, way more freedom. Amen? And you know that Paul was writing this to a church that was more concerned about the individual's liberty than they were about the Word of God. Whatever makes you feel good, we'll preach it. No, no, no. It's what makes God feel good and what's good for you. That's what we preach. When David was in order, his life flowed. When David was out of order, he had issues. In 2 Samuel 2.1, this is what David did. It says, David inquired of the Lord. Shall I go up into one of the cities of Judah? He gets himself in order, aligns himself and says, God, do you want me to go to one of the cities in Judah? It took David a long time to get to where God wanted him, step by step, moment by moment. How many of you get frustrated with the waiting? Telling you with Rod's situation, I'm like, can you just hurry up, please? But it's the system. We've got to learn to wait. God answers us in three ways. What are the ways that he answers us? Those that are in the first service? Yes, I love that. Second one, third one, wait. We are not a people that like to wait. But I'm telling you that scripture that says if God 
before us. If he's in front of me, nothing can be against me. If God is behind me, everything is against me. Make sure God is in front of us. When we wanted to move to, um, we were in Zimbabwe and we'd help plant a church there. And my sister and brother-in-law were starting a church in South Africa, asked us if we'd come and help. So Ron and I were in this thing of, God, do you want us to go? Do you want us to stay? We'd make a decision, we're going to stay. No, maybe we should go. No, no, okay, so then we decide we're going to go. No, maybe we should stay. Ever been there? You just never come to it. One day, the Lord woke right up and said, if you go, I'll bless you. If you stay, I'll bless you. But you stay in the land of undecision, I can do nothing with you. God's given us a brain, people. Use it. It frustrates me when Christians are, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on the Lord. Should I brush my teeth today? Or we had one lady phone, Harry, going, there's a speck on my mirror. What does it mean? So Harry says, you need to clean your mirror. God's given us a brain, okay? Use it. And then the other thing that I can't bear is when people are going, God told me, God told me, God told me. Then it's a mess. And now who are you blaming? And are you apologizing to those that you said God told me? Be careful. This is a statement of submission, but it is also a statement of sequence. I submit to God Almighty and I go in the unforced rhythms of grace wherever He takes me. Sometimes He says move, sometimes He says stay, sometimes He says stick it out, sometimes He says it's not going to be fun, but too bad, too sad. Other times it's going to be fun. God is still with me on the ups. God is still with me on the downs. He's always with me. David couldn't be king until he learned to be shepherd. And I was saying, I can give you my telephone number. But if it's in the wrong sequence, you're not going to get hold of me, are you? We do that on purpose when people want our number and we're like, (laughs) so you just give them a number and just kind of make it one out. Then they're never going to get hold of you. When I worked for an ophthalmologist many years ago, my sister and I worked for an eye specialist. I did the accounts and the booking. And and on Fridays, he would do surgery and see patients all day from eight until five. He was always slow and always late. So we would pick a spot and make up two patients' names, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and put a fake telephone number. And then The surgeon would come out and he'd go, I'm so glad Mr. and Mrs. Smith didn't come. But we'd never tell him. We just made it up. (laughs) That was clever. He always used to tell us, I'm not telling you to do that, but it works. (laughs) So my steps are ordered by the Lord. David started at the bottom and worked his way to David's goal wasn't I'm doing this because this is my prize at the end. You're going to fail. I'm doing this because I love God Almighty with all my heart, my soul, and my strength, and I love people. And whatever God chooses to do with me from there, I'm in. Too many people are in something for what they can get. Love is expecting nothing in return. I love and serve Jesus because it's such a joy and a privilege and an honor. And as long as I stay, in the unforced rhythms of His grace, doesn't matter what comes my way. I've often said that 
I wish I knew this 15 years ago, or I wish I knew this 20 years ago. Any of you said that? Well, you weren't ready 15 years ago. And like I said at the last one, do not put old shoulders on young heads. Don't expect the youngsters to do it the way you did it. Don't expect them to see it the way you see it. Let them figure it out, and they might just have a better way. Amen? Don't try and skip steps with God. Psalm 37 verse 24, it says, Though he falls, he shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I don't trust in my steps, but I do trust in the hand of God, in the sovereignty of his hand. Amen? Do you trust God's sequence? Sometimes you don't understand it. Sometimes you don't see the full picture. Sometimes there's seasons that you just, God, I don't get it. It's like those joining the dots. We call them dot to dot. You know, we have the joining the dots. And I can remember sometimes doing it and thinking, what is this picture? But eventually you look back and you see, God, I get it. In the waiting. And when Peter, I love this story, God's a God of order. When Peter came to Jesus and he said to Jesus, you cannot go to the cross You can't die. We need the kingdom established. That was an out-of-order statement. Here's the in-order statement. Jesus says, I have to go to the cross and I have to die in order for the kingdom to be established. We've got to get our lives in balance and get our lives right. Do you know that David became king and his character could carry his ministry and his gifting? Saul became king. And his character could not carry his gifting. He got jealous. He got threatened. Make sure God is developing your character so it can carry your gift. Amen? So I'm going to give you some quotes. And I'm going to ask the um, band to come up. We're going to do something fun today. I was quick, hey? I wanted to keep this short and quick because all I want you to remember is you've got to be in order with God. You've got to be in His steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If your life is out of sync, you've got to reevaluate. This is what Confucius said. To put the world in order, we must first put the nation in order. To put the nation in order, we must put the family in order. To put the family in order, we must put our personal life in order. We must first set our hearts right. It is not a political situation. Stop making it politics. My wrestle, what we're going through right now, is not a wrestle of Rod's health, Nathan's health, my mom passing, the kids. My issue is we fight one enemy, one. And if God be for us, who can be against us? So let's do it backwards. Search me, O God. Get my heart right so that I in turn can get my family right. Then my family can get the nation right. Then the nation can get the world right. We've got it backwards. Get your hearts right before God. Then we won't criticize. We won't judge. We won't tear people down. Amen. Proverbs. Oh, here's another one. Sorry. Before you react... Think. Before you spend, earn. Before you criticize, wait. Before you pray, forgive. 
And before you quit, try. Don't, I'd rather you try and fail but fall forward so you've gained ground than not try at all. It's easier to steer a bicycle that's moving than that one that's stationary. Proverbs 16 verse 9, it says, I choose my path, but God orders my steps. If I am aligned with God when I make those choices, God's going to bless it. And I love it says, I choose my path. God comes and he orders my steps. That's the way it's got to go. And Fred, I'm just going to jump to this. It's at the end, so you might have to jump. Isaiah 43, verse 18, and then I'll go back. Thank you. The former things, do not dwell on the past. You can get stuck in this thing of not moving forward because you're so busy looking back. What happens if you drive all the way to Jacksonville looking in your rearview mirror? What's going to happen? And the rearview mirrors are small. What's the front? What do you call that thing in the windshield? I forget. I, we call it something else. What is the windshield? Huge. So why are we constantly living our lives looking back and crashing? Look forward. Forget about what's happened. Oh, yeah, it's not good. It didn't work out. So what? Too bad, too sad. This is where I am and this is where I'm going. I'm so sorry for what happened there, but I'm moving forward. Don't allow guilt, condemnation, expectations of others to pull you down. God, this is you and me. You don't like it. You walk your journey. I'm walking mine. Amen? So I'm going to go up and I've asked Nancy to do an example. I know a little bit about music. I got thrown into leading worship because there was nobody, not because I was somebody. I just, nobody was there, I did it, and I loved it. I ended up leading worship for years, but I didn't know anything about music. I was a ballet dancer. My mom taught ballet. I did ballet till teaching. That's why I have such lovely feet that are all crooked. And, but so I wanted to learn a little bit so that I could be a better worship leader, know how music works, how it goes. I learned the combinations of the minor six, the four, the five, the one, the chords. The But here's somebody who went way further with music, and I cannot do what she does. So can you give me a scale, Nancy? I wish I could do this. I can kind of do a little bit, but that's, that's about it. So there's a lot going on with music and with theory and with putting it together. And if you have an orchestra and one instrument is out, what does it sound like? It's horrible. If you have a harmony and one harmony is out, what does it sound like? Terrible. If you just have harmonies and no melody, there's no railway track for the train to go on. Everybody's just... So... As God is a God of order and he orders our steps, I'm going to use this illustration of music where music is ordered. So we just start out with chords, Nancy. So this is life. So slow. So boring. God, what? Why? Why? Can we just pace it up a bit or can you bring some excitement? So then he goes, okay. We'll add just a little bit more to the chords. So it gets a little bit more exciting, huh? but it's still, okay, can you do a bit more, God? Can you just add some pace to this? So what does God do? 
You're getting in the rhythms now. You've submitted to Him. You've put your order in steps. So what happens? You go faster. Anybody know the song? You know it? Who knows it? Okay, we're going to sing police in church today. You ready, Rachel? Every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you again. Every breath you take, every move you make, Every bond you break, every step you may think of you watching. So now I have Brian. He told me this is a stalking song. No, it's not. It's not. Who's watching you? Whose steps are we ordered in? So we're going to stand. And we're going to end this morning. You're going to order your lives. Amen. And we're going to end with this. Every breath you take, every move you make, Every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. Yeah. Every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. Oh, can't you see? Oh, can't you see? You belong to me. Yes. Yeah. With every step you take, every breath you take, I love it. Every move you make, every bond you grace, every step you take, I'll be watching you. One more. Every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. So I want to ask you, how many of you feel like your lives are out of order? Through wrong decisions, busyness, mistakes, things you've said that you shouldn't have said, things you've done that you shouldn't have done, whatever. I want you just to take one step to the side and go, I'm going to evaluate my life. I'm going to consider my ways and I'm going to bring about the change. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know you, that the very first step of putting ourselves in order is to accept you as our personal Lord and our personal Saviour and to surrender to you. And if that's you online or here, come and see us afterwards. Take that step and watch God change things in your life. Amen. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Well, you may take a seat for a moment, then I'll release you and let you go. Yeah, I told you, brace yourself, because I asked Valerie, because she said, I need to go and talk to Nancy at, at worship practice on Thursday. And I said, what's happening? She says, it's a surprise. And so <laughs> this is a surprise, yeah. Oh, interesting what uh, social media will say about Coastal Church. <laughs> We're not religious. But the scripture says, in him we live and move and have our being. Amen. And I also remember a man telling me, he says, if there's no laughter in the church, I doubt if Jesus is there. So get happy because Jesus does that. Also, Catherine Kuhlman said some famous words. She's a famous, uh, powerful minister. She says, God's not looking for a silver vessel. He's not even looking for a gold vessel. He's just looking for a yielded vessel. And that's what we need to be those people that are walking in his divine favor. And it's, and it's baby steps. How did I get to where I'm here? Well, I started baby steps way back in Africa and uh, hearing his voice and watching family. And so it's an opportunity for us to, to maybe recalibrate. There's some of the things that the enemy's got us by the nose and is dragging us all over the place. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Um, before I do that, I just want to let you know of two things, a couple of things. Obviously, there's, as soon as we jump into an academic year as a church, we also want to just give you opportunity to have the financial peace and go to marriage and the marriage course and stuff. And I just want, the other thing that we're going to have is when John and Jane are going to be here the first week of October, John and Jane are the uh, oversight, our leadership, and he's come to teach us on, and it's going to be the Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, which is the 4th, 5th, and 6th of October. And I really want you to consider your ways and consider your steps about coming to this. It's talking about our biblical worldview. We need to be equipped. And you say, well, that's, that's the younger generation. Now, let me just tell you about my daughter. My daughter told me, told me, Dad, that is the one single most important thing you put into the church that helped me with my faith was getting taught on the biblical worldview. Because when I went to the lectures in Gainesville and they would impose their worldview on us and want to allow uh, uh, impart and force their way onto us, I could stand up and say, I appreciate that, sir. I appreciate that, ma'am. That is your biblical, that's your worldview, but I have a biblical worldview. And you say, well, I'm a grandparent. Well, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're a parent, whether you're a child, I really think you need to be equipped to understand, do you have a clear worldview, a clear biblical worldview? And if you don't, it's time for you to equip yourself so that you can help other people that don't have a clear worldview, a clear biblical worldview. So I really encourage you that's, uh, to, to set your steps in order and come to that. It's going to be uh, an hour each night for uh, Monday through uh, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And it's powerful, and, and John was going to be teaching us. So I really wanted to put that out to you. Also, it's going to say the next two weeks. This weekend, we're normally in Haiti with a, on a missions trip. But because of the instability there, we couldn't go. We sent money ahead so they could still have their anniversary and celebrate as a church, and they had their VBS. So we still contributed to that. We're short of about $2,000. So we're going to next two weeks believe God. Through you guys, if God will speak to you, 
We really want to continue to help Haiti, the church in Haiti that we've been with and Jedediah has been working with for over, I think, 11, 12, 12 years. So just something we will uh, approach you on in the next two weeks um, about uh, contributing to that. So now there's a needy dying world out there that is confused and we have God on board ordering our steps. I want you to go out there, love on them, help them, be a light in a dark place. Would you do that for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Would you do that? And don't underestimate the power of God working in and through your life. Let me pray for you and release you. Father, thank you. We have the opportunity to be, to be, to be carriers of your goodness and your grace and your kindness. And I thank you that, Father, the world out there may just see through a glass dimly, but Father, we want to come and shine the light of the gospel, the good news on them and allow them to know that they are valuable, important, they are precious and, and divinely made by you. And so, Father, I thank you that as I, we, we pray and we send each other out to a needy dying world, that we would be the carriers of your goodness. And we thank you that we would be, have, uh, be people that would order our steps according to your voice, your word, your way your will. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name.